Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I'll be speaking with Nancy Lockwood of FASD Ottawa. Nancy Lockwood is an FASD consultant and educator with over 25 years of work and lived experience supporting individuals of all ages with FASD. Her current work includes building capacity at provincial and national Canadian agencies to increase their ability to support people of all ages with FASD and their families. Previously, Nancy managed Able To's FASD Resource Program, a program she helped to design in collaboration with Kids Brain Health Network, the Children's Aid Society of Ottawa, and a leading children's hospital. Nancy has provided customized FASD education workshops to thousands of professionals and frontline workers in multiple sectors. Welcome to FASD Hope. I have had a lovely pre-recording conversation with today's guest. Uh, She is an advocate. She is an FASD educator, consultant, and a tremendous resource in her region. So I am very happy to welcome to FASD Hope, Nancy Lockwood of FASD Ottawa. Nancy, welcome to FASD Hope. Thank you so much, Natalie. I'm I'm honored and really pleased to be here. So, Nancy, let's talk about how you became involved in FASD education, advocacy, and all of the work that you do, not only with FASD Ottawa, but the other important services and resources that you're connected with. Well, I've been involved in the FASD community for over 25 years. I I have a personal connection to FASD. I have people I love who have FASD. And um, I didn't intentionally start out working in this field, but my path sort of led me there. Uh, I had been working in the field of education initially as a teacher. I was principal of a little school in Toronto and I'm I'm in Canada. And then when I was raising my own kids, I started doing more work as a tutor and a music teacher. And I was supporting a lot of children with learning differences and special needs. And I seemed to develop this specialty in working with students with FASD. And I was just so curious. I wanted to learn as much as I could about it. So I was reading, you know, as much research as I could and books and going to conferences and webinars and all of those sorts of things. I think once you start learning about it. You just want to learn more and and you want to spread the word. And then I just had a really exciting opportunity in 2015. So at the time, a lot of my friends were thinking about retirement. I really launched my career. Um, There's an agency here in Ottawa. It was called Citizen Advocacy at the time, and now it's called Able To. And they support people of all different disabilities across the lifespan. And interestingly, they were given an anonymous donation to start a program for people with FASD. And the director there at the time 
decided to take it on, knew he needed some more funding partners and some people to give advice. So he um, reached out to Kids Brain Health Network, which is um, a national center of excellence here in Canada that does research on, on all neurodevelopmental disabilities, including FASD. So they came on board, as did our children's hospital, our local children's aid society, which is our child welfare agency. So they all put money in the game, offered to give advice to run a two-year pilot project. And so this director of the agency hired three of us to work part-time. And we brought really complementary um, skills to it. And we also just fell in love with each other. We were all moms who were raising children with neuro differences, I will say, some with FASD. And one was an occupational therapist who had worked on an FASD diagnostic team. One's a psychotherapist who has a large portion of her practice with FASD, my background in education. And they essentially said, okay, create a program. So we just got to create what we saw as a huge need. Uh, up until then, all there was in Ottawa was a support group that had been run by a volunteer for 20 years. But we just ran with it. So we realized the first thing we had to do was figure out all the agencies that should be supporting people with FASD, but might not know anything about it or know how. And we just offered training, training, training for free. We trained thousands of people. And then we started navigating people to their services. And during that time, um, Ontario, which is our province, like your states, started to get a little bit more money, a little bit more awareness for building FASD. They launched an FASD worker program and we got to advise on it and run it in three regions. So it just, it was so exciting. I just can't tell you how fun it was to finally see something being done. So I was the manager and I, I ran that for six years. And then this last year, I just decided it was time to branch out and do something on my own. I had a member of the staff who I thought would make a great manager. I had a lot of family members who needed more time, so I needed more flexibility. So I decided to leave. It was a little bit scary and launched this business consulting, um, offering a lot of webinars, education, and that sort of thing. So it's been less than a year, but, but it's super exciting so far. Um, and I'm also doing some other things. I'm running some support groups, uh, sitting on some boards, that sort of thing. So I love hearing your experience and hearing how you took all of your experience and all of the growth and all of your skill set, and you saw a need and then you grew and you stepped away and you did something further, which is really, you know, when we talk about the FASD community, there is a lot of reinvention in here. You know, it used mm -hmm. to be five, 10 years ago, everybody would go to, you know, conferences and presentations, which is where, you know, we would all learn and everything. And then COVID happened. So then we had to yes. kind of take a shift and, and do things differently. So it sounds like you were able to take what you learned and, and your professional skills and whatnot and turn it into yet another niche or another need that your community needed. It's true. And, and what's really interesting is um, all of us who started the program have now moved on because we had 
new people who came on who could take over the program. But for example, the occupational therapist on our team, she gave a presentation to a school board and they were so impressed. They created a position for her to support their students with FASD trauma and mental health issues for their board. So that, you know, we were so sad to see her go at the time, but how amazing as the psychotherapist um, decided it was time to have a full-time practice. And she's just so in demand. And for us to be able to have someone with that expertise to refer families to is amazing. Um, and we had a, a Francophone member of our team. We, we became bilingual because Ottawa is a very English and French city. And uh, she now has gone back to school to do her PhD uh, in neuroscience, and she's doing all sorts of incredible research to do with FASD. So I think it's a real strength of what we created that, that it wasn't a negative thing when people left. It was actually to create more things where we can refer people to as well. So I, it was one of the most exciting things I've ever done and working for myself is really exciting and, and rewarding. It I don't is. need to tell you that. No, I know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm thinking to, to, to when, you know, when I stepped away from everything and my husband and I started FASD Hope, it, it really, it's, it's a very, you take a leap of faith and it's a very much, yes. you know, something where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do this. And, and however it's scary and it's nerve wracking and you're thinking, okay, I, I'm kind of doing this all myself, but at the same time, I, I really enjoy being able to say, okay, this is what we're going to focus on, or this is, you know, we're going to kind of shift and look look at this way, or there's a need over here, that kind of thing. And, and that's the beauty of, of kind of, you know, being at the helm of your own outreach, you know, for FASD is that you can say, okay, I really see a need in here. Let's, let's do this. So um, that's exciting. That's really exciting. So I, I love hearing that. And again, the growth and what you all did as basically the program was set, and then you all went into you know, different areas and, and grew even more. That just, again, shows how much FASD systemic education positions, everything, it's just needed so badly, not just in Canada, not just in the US, but globally. So I'm really happy to hear you filling those needs. Oh, thank you. And I, the other thing I think we found so fulfilling, people seem to really appreciate the fact that we were all mothers who were trying to navigate the school system, these sorts of things, we understood what those feelings were like. We, whenever we gave training sessions, we would have surveys after because we had to give some metrics to our funding partners. And that was a big thing that we, we weren't just um, regurgitating information. We knew what we were talking about. And I'm also really proud to say that we tried to always hire people with FASD to speak when we give trainings or gave trainings because we do know that they're the true experts. And at the beginning, we had very little money and we weren't able to offer much in the way of an honorarium. But once we got more money, we were able to give them to pay them for their time and their expertise. And and really, that's where I learned a lot was from them. Yes, the lived experience, family advocates, and especially self-advocates, their voices need to be heard. People need to listen to what 
individuals with FASD and other brain-based diagnoses have to say, because that's where then we can say, okay, how can we best support you? So I, I just, yes. I love hearing that. So let's talk about how FASD Ottawa has developed and just the things that you are doing in the past year or two. Sure. Well, thanks for the opportunity. So um, we're in a really exciting time here in Ontario. It's kind of funny, Canada is this huge country, but we don't sort of have equitable supports of FASD across the country. It's kind of funny. There's quite a lot in Western Canada. And as you go across the country, the supports weren't as good. But here in Ontario, we now have an official FASD strategy with funds attached to it. So a few years ago, as I, I mentioned earlier, we, we have this um, provincial FASD worker program. So no matter where you live in the province, you have at least one FASD worker assigned to you to support children and youth. We need something to support adults. That's one of, one of the things on my wish list. We also have um, support groups there. So the government funds over 40 support groups. They give grants. You can apply for grants uh, to run groups. And so I just recently got two grants. I'm really excited. Um, and they're really novel, outside the box things uh, that people are offering. So I applied for a grant for a video gaming group for young adults with FASD. They meet every week. They have an adult mentor who has FASD and a young social worker that helps them to run the group. And they meet first, they decide what games they're going to play. But not only are they playing video games together every week, they're, first of all, we're reducing social isolation. We're building connections. They consider each other friends. We're teaching a lot of social skills. We're getting them talking about FASD um, and the reason I just I don't actually participate, I don't think they'd come if I did, because I'm a little long in the tooth. But um, I had recognized that often it's easier to get people talking if they're in an activity, as opposed to just sitting around looking at each other. And also with COVID, it was something they could do from home. And so many people with FASD love gaming. So they also are learning about internet safety and um things like what are the sort of social etiquette rules of gaming for instance if you swear you'll get kicked off things like that so they may not realize they're learning a lot of skills but they are and we're learning a lot of things too there you know, that we'll be able to do a little bit better as we move forward I also started a group for senior caregivers of people with FASD across the province of Ontario and when we put out the the offer for this group we didn't know how many takers we'd get it filled up so quickly and what floored me is the ages range from 55 to 85 years old and these I know and there's still hands-on parenting in many cases but we also learned other things like um, not that many have a will not that many have a plan for what's going to happen after they're gone. So they all have adult children. I think their children were between the ages of 19 and 45. Um, but we're, we've got different themes every month. Um, I was able to hire a clinical social worker. We've got guest speakers. And then at the end of it, we're going to develop a resource for senior caregivers for accessing resources and how to make a plan for after you're gone and that sort of thing. 
So, so it's exciting. Um, and there's one other group, if I can keep going, that I, I was involved with that same psychotherapist that I used to work with, asked me to help her form a group for clients, actually it was for clients we both had, we both were supporting a lot of clients who had adult children in their early 20s, and the caregivers were experiencing extreme stress, PTSD, some were experiencing aggression in the home, things like that. And so my friend was wanted to teach polyvagal theory, which is basically getting to know your autonomic nervous system. And she thought with these caregivers that over time, she could teach them how to recognize how their body was feeling under stress and give them tools to move themselves up the ladder to a more regulated state, knowing as well that if they're more regulated, they're going to be able to support their loved one better. And she wanted to me, me to be a group mentor. And so we ran it together and we had so much success. Also, um, this group is continuing, even though our part is finished, they just enjoyed getting to know each other. So we've also helped connect uh, these families and we got some really good data on how this works. So we're presenting it at conferences. So there have been some really great opportunities coming up. So I am taking notes about <laughs> these wonderful programs that you offer so that we can share on our social media posts and our program notes. And the word that I, I usually write like a word when, when a guest is talking about just something that stands out about what they're talking. So my word for you is innovative. You are really thinking innovative out of the box as to what the FASD community needs in terms of caregivers, in terms of adults. And I agree with you a thousand percent. There needs to be more programs and supports and services for young adults transitioning out of the school age, out of, you know, high school, yes. that group of between 18 to, you know, in their mid to late twenties, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. And I love the idea of the video gaming program. I mean, I'm thinking, where can I sign up my son for that? Because that's wonderful. It's you a wonderful way. I, I, I might just do that, Nancy. It was pretty simple. Like, wow. really? That is a wonderful, wonderful idea. And it's true. You know, we talk so often about how any individuals that have brain-based diagnoses, such as FASD, really that talk discussion is really not going to really get out those, what they want to express. However, engaging those individuals in an activity where you've got the, you know, you've got things flowing and everything. Yes. They're more likely to say, oh yeah, you know what? I had that or talking about something. So I love, I love, love, love that idea. The other thing I thought of innovative too, with, with what you're saying. So one of my very first guests in season one, I believe it was episode four. Her name is Dr. Glenda Clare. And she did a episode about FASD and grand families and grand yes. families are yes. those individuals that take on their, you know, either their children's children or relatives children. And they are over the age of usually the, over the age of 55 plus. And, you know, I'm writing this down 55 through 85. And so many of those grand families don't have formal supports because they're, they're you know, they don't Absolutely. want their child in the welfare system or anything. So they're taking on and they're just sat at a loss for 
learning about wondering how do I care for this child, young adult teen that has an FASD. So that senior caregiver program, wow, that's something I would love to see happen in the States. There's such a need for supporting those older family members who are caring for, um, whether it be their children or their children's children. That is such a need, Nancy. It is. And it's really quite common. Um, Actually, that leads me to another contract I had, which was so exciting. This was my first contract when I went out on my own with an agency here called Adopt for Life. They're known as Ontario's Adoptive um, Caregiver Association. So they were set up by um, an adoptive parent to try to make sure that people who adopt children with or without special needs um, have all the supports they need to make that adoption permanent. They don't just support adoptive families, they also support kin arrangements, just like you're talking about with grandchildren, nieces and nephews, and they also support customary care arrangements, which are um, our First Nations, Métis and Inuit communities. Uh, And Oh, I just love this agency and they're very innovative. So they have this book called FASD and Me Strengthening My Community. Uh, oh, I have it here. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to show you. But I will share, it. but I will share this. Yes, Nancy will I'll give me the, you the link. Yep. Yes, I, I will, will send share you the link, link to the book. So it was actually spearheaded by a mother of a, a daughter with FASD. She wanted a tool for her daughter so her daughter could learn to advocate for herself. And also she wanted it to be a tool that she could give to others. So it's filled with some FASD facts, but it has all these fillable worksheets where the young person can fill in their strengths, their challenges, their triggers, strategies that work for them, what they want to do when they're older. Um, And they even have these as downloadable worksheets as well, because sometimes you discover new strengths or new challenges and then they can share it with their teachers, their neighbors and relatives. Um, and so they, Adopt for Life hired me to develop some webinars to go with the books for teachers and caregivers and for people thinking of adopting so they could figure out how to use it as a tool. And we've got some other plans for, for the book for the future, but um, I love this agency because they support adoptive families and we know many of them have children with FASD but across the lifespan so they are doing a lot of work supporting grandparents for instance who are raising their grandchildren just to make sure it works and again connecting them to resources. Amazing. Amazing. And we will be sharing that link and and that support. And I will probably be buying that book (laughs) because that is such a wonderful resource. It's, it's really like a a book, you know, a workbook. Um, and, and of course we know that as people age, things are going to change. So it's just something, it's a great resource for some, an individual with an FASD to have that can grow with them along their lifespan. And just again, the whole, I love that it it, it looks at the whole person. So you're looking at just that person, not just their FASD, but 
everything about them. Yes. So I love that. That is wonderful. We will <laughs> definitely be sharing that resource. So oh, let's, let's talk about we're, we're airing this in 2022 and everybody, you know, it's the beginning of the year. So we all have big hopes and goals and, and just, you know, what we'd like to accomplish in 2022. So let's talk about some of the things that you have planned or, or goals that you have for 2022. Oh, well, I have personal goals. Like I, I'd like to keep growing my impact. I, I love that I started in my own city and now I'm doing some work more at the provincial level. So um, I'd like to keep growing that, that impact. Uh, I just, I have general hopes for 2022 and that is that we continue to get more funding for FASD in general. Um, that we increase awareness of FASD, have more awareness events that are focused on, on positive things like the strength and resilience of people with FASD and their families. I, I, I hope that the media decides to give a little more attention to FASD because I think the very fact that they don't is, is a barrier to getting things done. Um, let's see. Um, uh, I, I just hope hope that we can continue to build hope. I think what you focus on in your podcast is so good. I think too often when we do hear about FASD, we hear about the scary things or interactions with the law, those sorts of negative things. But we also know if we can get the early diagnosis, if we can get early inter interventions, that we can improve outcomes. So, so my hope is just more opportunities to build this awareness, build the funding, and just get people talking. Because I think one of our biggest barriers is stigma. Why do we pay so much more attention to autism when it isn't as common as, as FASD? So, you know, I have personal hopes and personal goals. But again, because I, I, I am a little bit older, I, my I feel like I have a certain amount of time to really get this message out. So, so my bigger goal is just spreading awareness. And before we started uh, our conversation, we were talking about how you, you've been in the FASD field for over 25 years and you've just seen it. <laughs> you, you, we were joking. You said, I've, I've been doing this before there was internet, you know, and, exactly. and let's, let's talk just for a second about that, Nancy, what gives you hope in seeing this huge boom in FASD in terms of technology and people being able to access things such as webinars, things like that? What gives you the most hope for just the growth in the FASD community, not just in the FASD community, but for people learning about FASD? Yes. I think one of the upsides of COVID is that we've all become more comfortable with webinars and going to virtual conferences and things like that. And it's also much more cost effective. So in the past, we might have been able to afford to travel to one conference and now we can attend so many. So I, I feel really hopeful for the future that people who might not have had much involvement with the FASD community are going to have a lot more opportunities to learn more. I also think that's going to, as an offshoot, uh, hopefully lower rates as people are more aware of what the risks are and that there's no safe time to have alcohol uh, during pregnancy. Um, and also it's just given all sorts of opportunities for connection. So I know, for instance, a lot of caregivers 
would like to go out and have a coffee or meet other caregivers, but they don't have respite, they don't have childcare, but they could in the evening connect over the internet, just like you and mm-hmm. I are having a, a chat right now. And for people with FASD, I, I've seen some really lovely groups for children and youth and adults to connect with each other. They don't have to live in the same space and now they can just bond over some shared um, things that have happened to them. And they can also learn from mentors. I just think that older mentors can have such a huge impact when they can show that you can have a positive, happy, successful life with FASD. We might have to redefine what we used to think of as a successful life, but a successful life is absolutely possible as long as we make sure that the right supports are there. Absolutely. And I like to say that FASD is a spectrum diagnosis. Yes. Success is a spectrum. Success looks different for everybody. And again, the supports and and services and safety measures, they'll vary from from person to person. You know, someone may not need as many supports in this area of their life versus someone else. So it's really important that you're talking about that success and how I think for many of us, whether we're caregivers or whether we're those who have lived experience, I think that connection is key, Hmm. feeling connected through either a virtual support group or virtual activity group, or just like you and I are doing, you know, just connecting, you know, through conversation. I think connection really is key in making strides in this FASD, in this marathon, in this marathon. It's definitely a marathon. It's definitely not a sprint. (laughs) And, and I'm sure you can definitely testify to that. (laughs) Well, I do agree. And, and the other wonderful thing that I've seen with the internet for young people with FASD is sometimes they may be too anxious to go to a group, but what I've seen with virtual groups is sometimes they don't even turn on their camera at the beginning so they can just be listening and take their time. And sometimes it takes weeks till they're comfortable turning off their camera. Um, And we even have had groups where if somebody is having a really bad day or has a really uh, significant issue that they're dealing with, you can have one of the group leaders take them to a breakout room on Zoom and have a private chat for a little bit and then come back and join the group. So if you're comfortable with with Zoom and and, um, running groups, there are all sorts of opportunities. I, I think when we started during COVID running a lot of groups, we weren't sure that it would offer the same sort of connection. And, and I know just from some research that we've collected that some caregivers and some people with FASD really miss that personal connection, but then there are others for whom it's, op- it's opened up all sorts of opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we call it, we've referred to that uh, on FASD Hope is a silver lining of COVID, that the accessibility connection, especially the comfort of being on a virtual space has really been beneficial for so many of us. So yes, I agree. I, I think that's wonderful. So let's talk about, you have this wonderful experience just spanning 25 years being involved (laughs) in the FASD community. Let's just talk about your your biggest takeaways uh, that you'd like listeners 
to know. We're not hope. We're not at hope takeaways yet. We're just talking about things that yeah. you want individuals to know about what you've learned about FASD. Well, I think the number one thing that I've learned is that people with FASD are the experts and that we always all have more to learn. And that's the best place to learn. Um, and we never know at all. There's so much more that we all um, need to know. But some of the th other things I've learned is that people with FASD tend to be the strongest, most resilient people that I know, like they're, they tend to have this amazing gift to start every day fresh and not hang on to the sorts of grudges that the rest of us do. And I think we could all learn an awful lot from that. Um, I, I think that we can help people with FASD to discover their strengths and discover more strengths and new strengths. We need to keep taking strengths inventories and that we can help them see how if they have challenges, we can build on those strengths so that we can overcome a lot of those uh, challenges. Another thing that I've learned or another takeaway is that I've learned I have to learn how to regulate myself if I'm going to support somebody with FASD. I really believe in that sort of emotional mirror approach that they'll probably give me back whatever emotion I'm putting out there. So if I'm gonna put out anger, I'm going to get anger back. So if you want to help somebody else with FASD learn how to regulate themselves, you're going to have to learn how to do it. You're going to have to do a bit of work on yourself first. Um, and then there are even personal takeaways. There are things that I, I didn't know I could do. I, I hated public speaking. I remember when I got this job at Able to saying, I'll do anything you want, but I will not do public speaking. I will not present. I can't do it. And the thing is, we have to have confidence in what we know, share it so other people can learn from us, and then we've got to listen to them. We have to be really good listeners and communicate what we've learned. I love that. And I have written all of those wonderful points <laughs> down so that our listeners can see this. And I love how you phrased strengths inventory. That is mm -hmm. fantastic. I That is a perfect way to talk about when we just so much focus on strengths on, on this podcast and really encourage caregivers, educators, anyone to, to really focus on those strengths. So taking strengths inventories, and like you said, also learning from those, okay, where do we need to have more supports, but then also where are new strengths developing that may not have been present prior. So that is wonderful. That is wonderful. So how can our listeners get in touch with you, access you, um, just, just learn more about what you have to offer and the tremendous amount of resources and, and just the wonderful experience that you have that you can give back to those people in the FASD community, no matter how they're involved in the community. How can people get in touch with you? I'm giving you a platform. Wow. Well, thanks for the platform. <laughs> That's very generous. Um, I have social media uh, pages that I would love if your followers wanted to, to join. So on Twitter, uh, my handle is at FASD Ottawa. So capital FASD, capital O, then lowercase T-T-A-W-A. -T -T -A -A. 
Um, I, I have a lot of followers on Twitter. I find it so interesting, the difference in followers between Twitter and Facebook. I find they're more sort of researchers and frontline workers on uh, Twitter. You, you might find the same sort of thing. My Facebook page is Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Ottawa. And even though it sounds like it might be focused on Ottawa, I do post local events, but I try to share a mix of research, blog posts, um, things that will be helpful for caregivers, things to do with the school system. It's certainly not specific to Canada. And I find, I think I have almost as many followers in the US followed by Australia. It's interesting to see where followers come from. If people wanted to message me, they could send me a private message on either of those or by email to N as in Nancy Lockwood, L-O-C-K-W-O-O-D, Four, four at gmail.com. So uh, really what my specialties are, are webinars, running groups, consultations, those, those sorts of things. But also I just like to hear from people. If you've got information to share, I, I love learning. I think you and I are both curious, Natalie. I think we have that in common Yes, and, and just want to know more. And that's why I became a podcaster because I get to learn yes. every episode. I get to learn something new and I have written all of that information down. So you can access Nancy's social media handles in the program notes. And as well as we will share them uh, when we do our social media posts. So Thank this you. has been a lovely conversation, Nancy. And um, I am just so thrilled that the growth over just many years has taken you to these new places in your advocacy. And now you're, you're doing this. And I think that you are such a tremendous resource to so many people. And I just hope that people anywhere listening who can get in touch with you and, and share ideas and just learn from you. Um, I hope that can happen even more so in 2022. So Thank you for being on FASD Hope. And before we end this wonderful episode, we always end our episodes on words of hope, on hope takeaways, words of hope that you can give to listeners for their FASD journeys. You have had quite a journey as a professional, as an educator, just in your involvement in FASD. What can you share to our listeners that can give them hope for their journeys? Hmm. Well, I know for myself, I always try to remember that my track record of getting through the tough stuff is 100%. And we all have that. We all have a track record of 100% at getting through the tough stuff. So to try to remember that, I really think life in general is a roller coaster. It might sound cliche. I think uh, supporting people with FASD can be a, a bit of a roller coaster and that we have to keep faith that when the roller coaster goes down, it is going to go up again. It will. And then when it goes up again, I think we need to allow ourselves to enjoy it. I, I find too often we're on alert and thinking, oh, oh, what's going to happen next? So I think that's when we have to refill our cup. That's when we can build our resilience and, and, just allow ourselves to be happy in, in the moment. And there is hope. As I said earlier, I, we can support people with FASD to have successful lives, to have happiness, and, and same with their families, but we all have a role to play. We have to be the village 
you know, say it says, the saying is it takes a village to raise a child. We have to be the village. We have to learn what can we do to support that family to improve the, the possibility of positive outcomes. Fantastic hope takeaways. Nancy Lockwood of FASD Ottawa. It has been a pleasure talking with you today and thank you for being on FASD Hope. Well, thank you. And thank you for the work you do, Natalie, and for for keeping the hope. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.